Hola, hola. Welcome to another episode of Latina Ghouls. We hope everyone is doing well, staying healthy, and consistently checking in on yourself mentally, emotionally, and physically. I'm your host, Yesenia. And I'm your host, Jenny. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a very long time since our last episode. (laughs) We've been busy gals working. Yeah. We miss, like, the prime of what our fucking, like, podcast is about. We missed Halloween. We missed the election. Yeah, we just fucked up. But we're here. We were going through some stuff. Yeah. Listen, there's so much you can do when you're in school. You're And then Jenny's fucking working plus 40 hours because her job is a piece of shit. Fuck the corporate Can't world. Can't say my job name, but a lot of you guys go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... You know, it's just, it's, it was a hard end of the year. So, but we're here. 2021 is going to be better. We'll try to make it till the next Halloween. We'll do better. (laughs) We'll do fucking better. Excuse us, okay? But we're here. We're here. Jenny, how have you been? Yeah. I've been okay. Um, Work. Just started cutting hours, so that means the season's coming to an end. I'm trying to get out of there as soon as I can. Hopefully working for another big corporation. Um, But I get to choose my own schedule if I do full-time. So hopefully they'll hire soon. It's only 10 minutes away from my my house, so. Even better. And it's been really freaking cold in California. It's been freezing. Oh, yeah. but yeah, that's pretty much nothing really like exciting going on. I don't think anything has happened yeah. besides Christmas and New Year's. Anything. What about you? Um so twenty twenty obviously was just like whatever. Um you know, so I saw on fucking TikTok some girl who like is about horoscope shit said that twenty twenty one was the year of Pisces, aka my sign. And two days into fucking 2021, I'm already hitting hard. Uh, me and my friends decided to go to fucking Sacramento to go do some hood rat shit. And <laughs> on our way back, we legit hit a deer. Um, the deer was fine. We double checked. We like, you know, we stopped. We made sure. My car got fucked up, though. Um <laughs> And we went to the casino, my first time ever gambling, even though I'm from Reno, Nevada. And I almost won, like, fucking $300, and a bitch lost 200 of it. So, you know, it's been it's been rough. You know, I could have paid my fucking car deduct- deductible with that shit, but whatever. Um, but other than that, it's been good, you know. I start school in a couple of weeks again, and a bitch is graduating! So... I'm ready to get the fuck out of my parents' house. <laughs> and that's it, so you know? Excited. I know, dude. I'm hella excited. You're going to take Grizzly with you and your mom's going to be hella mad. Well, that's it. Th- yeah, Grizzly, that bitch is going with me wherever she where I go, you know? Because I ain't leaving this girl. She is too comfortable with me. So, other than that, you know, it's uh, it's been peachy. Um, did you get anything for Christmas? Oh, yes. My lovely, lovely girlfriend got me an Apple Watch. <laughs> no way. That's yeah, cute. Yeah, got me an Apple Watch. And I shit my... Bro- oh, my God. Let me fucking tell you what the fuck happened. So, I got her out of the way. I got her out of the way, right? The first week of December, she was done. 
What do you I mean? got all her gifts. Oh, like, okay, I got, okay. Yeah, like okay. she was the first person I got done. Okay. I'm a freaking idiot. The week before Christmas, I realized I got all the wrong sizes. <gasps> I don't know how, like, because, like, from her pants size to her sweater size, they're different. But also, like, Obviously. I don't know why I, like, tweaked out and I thought, like, her pants size was her sweater size, you know? And so, like, I freaking got her in the pants size and I got one of them customized. Like, I got one embroidered. Oh. And so, that one's mine now. <laughs> but the rest of it turned and then... I ended up getting her a lot more than what I was planning to just because it was last minute and I felt really guilty. Mm. So I got her a lot of stuff. That's cute. So it equals out. So what? She didn't have to. <laughs> well, sometimes I feel like we're overachievers, to be honest. Yeah. Um, like, I, I don't know. I felt so bad. I literally bawled in the car and Gabby's like, like it's okay and I was like it was horrible like it was so bad it was the worst but then yeah all her presents came out really really good and yeah that's good so this episode um we're trying to like pick up on where we left off from you know our previous episodes and if you guys remember um we did Latino serial killers, um, and we touched on, you know, some in Colombia, some in, uh, well, one in Colombia. We touched, do you remember your, where yours was from? Okay. Bro, since the last episode. I know, it's been a while. It's been, it's, the last time, the last time we were going to record was in July, so it's been a minute, okay? <laughs> um, we, okay, listen, like, after... Summer is when my job really, really picks up. Right. And I was... It gets pretty crazy. Right. And it's like... And I had two jobs, an internship, full-time classes. Like, we just... And our schedules were so off. Like, we could not... Like, we tried. Trust us. We were really trying. But it was hard as fuck. So... We're going to try again, and we're going to be better. We're going to be better. We're going to try, at least, okay? That's all you <laughs> That's all you can put on us is that we're trying, okay? Um, so, yeah. So, last episode or last horror hour episode that we discussed was on Latino serial killers. This episode, we're going to talk about Latina serial killers or Latina serial killers uh, or, or Latinas who are recognized as serial killers in Latin America and Central America. Um, so, <clears throat> because we have been trying to do this for a while, a lot of our research comes back from that time period of, like, July, when we were initially gonna record this. Um, so I, I know we both, like, have been updating our stuff just in case anything has been updated or, or we need to change a little bit. So, Jenny, are you set to go for it? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. All right, so my person is Juana Barraza, who was born in... Okay, don't come for me for not pronouncing these names right. Just don't come for me. Apasoyucan, Hidalgo, a rural area (laughs) in north of Mexico City. And she was born December 27th in 1957, 
Um, so her mom actually was an alcoholic who reportedly reportedly <laughs> exchanged her for three beers to a man oh who reportedly God. oh sorry repeatedly raped her in his care and by whom she became pregnant with the son. So during that time with that man, she had four children in total. And although her eldest son died from injuries sustained in a mugging prior to her arrest, um, Barraza was a professional wrestler under the ring name La Dama de Silencio, which is the Lady of Silence. Um, and she had a strong entrance in wrestling for like ever since she was like little. Um, okay, so going on to. I guess her profile, mm-hmm. which, okay, pause for a second. Her story actually really reminds me of an episode of Criminal Minds. Um, I forgot the season <laughs> and the episode, but it reminds me of it, where it's kind of, like, similar, except this time it was a man who dressed as a woman, but mm. he was built very muscular and just looked like a muscular woman. Wait, is it the episode where it was, like, they went out to Mexico because of it? Yes. And, okay. like, they were, like, attacking all, like, the transgenders and everything like that. Yes. The yes. the women, like, ended up beating his ass at the end, right? Yeah, and, like, fucking fucked him up. Yes. But, yeah, and you'll, you'll understand why. So, all of her victims were women aged around 60 or over who, li- who lived alone. Um, Fernando Batiste, the chief prosecutor prosecutor in mexico city initially profiled the killer as having a brilliant mind being quite clever and careful and suggested that the killer probably struck after gaining the trust of the intended victim Mm -hmm. um and the investigating officer suspected that the killer posed as a government official offering victims the chance to sign up for welfare programs Mm. so that's when the episode hit my head when i read that and so the search for her was uh, very complicated by conflicted evidence. At one point, the police hypothesized that two killers might be involved. And an odd coincidence also distracted the investigation that at least three of the victims owned a print of an 18th century painting by French artist Jean-Baptiste Gouez. And the painting was a boy in a red waistcoat. I don't know French, so I said the name <laughs> very wrong. <laughs> so the authorities, sorry, the authorities believe that Juana um, Barasa was a psychopath who felt no remorse. Hmm. Furthermore, um, Barasa was associated associated her elderly victims with her mother and believed that she mm. was helping society by killing them in order to gain their trust. Oh, sorry. Pause. And then in order to gain the trust of her victims, but as opposed as a government official who worked in social wealth, well, welfare, welfare, welfare. welfare because of this um baraza is placed in the caregiving category of female killers (laughs) sorry that's grizzly if you can hear it (laughs) 
Quizzalay. Hi, Quizzalay. Oh, she's so cute. She loves me. I know you she, dumb bitch. Remember that one time I gave her so much love and when I left she was all depressed. That's why, because you gave her so much love and then you fucking ripped it away. Well, you guys don't give her enough affection. Okay, um, you're not going to drag me on my podcast, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so going on to the investigation, the authorities were heavily criticized by the media for dismissing evidence that a serial killer was at work in Mexico City as merely a media sen- sensationalism as a late of summer 2005. And so she has had a record time high for the amount of murders she's done, and I'll say the number after I'm done. Um, but, sorry, soon after setting an investigation in motion, the police incurred further criticism by launching what one of journalists describes as a ham-fisted and unproductive swoop on Mexico City's transvestite prostitutes. Mm. So I'm like, did criminal minds get you, that idea? Well, that's what I was going to say. I know a lot of like criminal minds episodes are actually based off of real serial killers or real like true crime. Um, mm-hmm. So, honestly, and that's the thing, too. It's, like, I don't know, like, for you, when I was doing research for this, um, like, just in general, like, searching for a Latina serial killer, it was uh-huh. fucking hard to find, like... It's super hard. Like, it was there's hard. There's not a lot. Yeah, there's not a lot, like, yeah, there's not a lot recorded. And so, fucking Criminal Minds is out here trying mm-hmm. to, like, diversify and over here be fucking international and shit so i'm sure it was like hard for them to also find something so it might Mm -hmm. make sense like if your latina serial killer is uh (laughs) well known then it makes sense you know where the story's coming from the criminal minds episode so by november 2005 the mexican authorities were reporting witnesses witness statements to the effect that the killer wore women's clothing to gain access to the victim's apartments. In one case, a large woman in a red blouse was leaving the home of a murdered woman. Um, two months later, police began checking the fingerprints of bodies in the city's morgue in the apparent belief that the Mata Viejas might have committed suicide because they couldn't find her. Mm. So they just thought, because for a period, um, she didn't kill that much. So yeah. they thought that it was just regular stuff going on. Like she died or something? Yeah. Mm. And so a major breakthrough in the case occurred on 2000, Sorry, on the 25th of January 2006 when a suspect was arrested fleeing the, um, from the home of a serial killer's last victim, Ana Maria de, la Ros, de las Reyes Alfaro, who lived in, in the borough of Mexico City. Alfaro, 82, had been strangled with a stethoscope. Yeah, that's why I'm like, you're a government official and you have a stethoscope, but she could have had it in the home. But not even, and that's what I'm like, imagine, like, how long you have to hold on to that to, like, strangle someone with it, because it's, like, in a sense, plastic, you know? Yeah, and plus, this, this lady was a wrestler. She be oh, out here. I hella forgot herself. about that. Um, so to the surprise of many Mexicans who had 
Suppose the killer to be male. The suspect detained was Juana Barraza, 48, a female wrestler known professionally as the Silent Lady. Witnesses at previous murder scenes had described a mus- uh, a masculine-looking woman, um, and police had previously looked for a transvestite, although a letter... They later admitted that a former wrestler resembled composite images of the suspect. Um, Barraza closely resembled a model of the killer's features, which showed La Mata Viejas with close-cropped hair, hair dyed blonde in a facial mold, and was carrying a stethoscope, pension forms, and a card identifying her as a social worker when she was detained. Giving so, us a bad Mexico name, City bitch. prosecutors said fingerprint evidence linked Barraza to at least ten murders of ten murders of the as many what the heck murders as many of forty murders attributed to the killer. Um, the wrestler is said to have convinced to murdering Alfaro and three other women, but denied involvement in all the other killings. She told her. Per- Reporters, she had visited Alfaro's home in search of laundry work. So they caught her. Mm. <laughs> and it's a good effect. Um, Barasa was, uh, was tried in the spring of 2008. The prosecution um, alleging she had been responsible for as many 40 deaths. She admitted to one murder um, and told the police her, mur- her motive was lingering resentment regarding her own mother's treatment of her. Mm. So on the 31st of March, she was found guilty of 16 charges of murder, aggravated burglary, including 11 separate counts of murder. So on the 31st of March, she was found guilty on 16 murder charges, aggravated burglary, including 11 separate counts of murder. She was sentenced to 759 years in prison. Holy shit. But since sentences imposed in the Mexican court are generally served concurrently, but the maximum sentence under Mexican law is 60 years. And she was she will most likely serve the full sentence in prison. What year did you so, say she started? So it says the span of crimes are from 1998 to 2006. Okay, so that shit's really recent. Mm-hmm. So this bitch is probably in jail right now. Well, she is in jail right now. Yeah, because she was... Yeah, she's been in jail since 2006. Crazy. Um, to our listeners, excuse the background noise. I live with my parents. You know this. I have a nephew who lives with us, too. (laughs) He's excited right now. He's trying to be a little gamer. (laughs) So, excuse us a little bit. That's crazy, though. Um, And I also found the episode of Criminal Minds. It's called Machismo. It's the 19th episode of the first season. 19th episode. And it says it's partly based on Barasa. Because it can't be fully based on him. Right, right. Well, yeah, because, bitch, they gotta pay him. Well. a lot of actual like portrayed on TV a lot. I believe she was that in the investigation discovery series Deadly Women and the episode called Payback. 
She was also in a documentary called Instinto Asesino, Asesino, which aired on Discovery in Espanol in 2010. I believe that. Because it's like, the thing is too, like, look at our culture and uh, how much pressure they put on a woman that she can't do a certain thing. Like, even here in the U.S., right? Like, women serial killers are very, like, notorious, but they exist, and I feel like yeah. in Latino culture, it's very much like, that can't happen, you know? But, bitch, it does, apparently. <laughs> so, mine is a long one, so bear with me, okay? I tried to find <laughs> as much information that um, would make sense. Because you'll understand why sometimes, like, a lot of... It's, it, it was a huge it, fucking situation, okay? So, mine, um, my story is on Las Pocanchis. Um, if you haven't heard of the Pocanchis, it's actually four female serial killers who were sisters. Um, there was Delfina, Maria de Jesus, Carmen, and Maria Luisa um, Gonzalez, Venezuela. Their... Um, series of murders or time of business i will say was from 1945 till 1964 when they got caught um they were all born and raised in jalisco mexico and like most to all serial killers they had a really rough upbringing their mother was involved significantly with the catholic church her name was bernadilla venezuela um, she either worked there or volunteered a ton there. Um, it's not really documented, but because of this, um, people don't really know if she was significantly involved with like her daughters. What they do know is that she um, showed them the Catholic religion beliefs, you know. Um, their dad, on the other hand, was something else. It said their dad... Isidro Torres um, was a very abusive man. He was also a cop in their town. And they say that he was very strict and like very machismo. They say he was super abusive when he drank and he drank all the freaking time. So they say he liked his power and he liked to abuse his power too. So there's tales that he would not only beat his daughters, um, but he would also force them to watch the town's executions as a form of punishment punishment at one point he found out that carmen who's the oldest um was dealing with an older man and he was so mad he locked carmen up in jail as a form of punishment he believed she was dishonoring him and was behaving significantly inappropriately during this time it was also said some type of commotion occurred that Isidro and another man got into a gunfight and Isidro killed this man. And due to this killing, um, their father gained a lot of enemies um, and had to go into hiding with the rest of the family. Um, is That's why they actually dropped the name, the last name Venezuela, and they changed their last name to Gonzalez. Um, so if you ever look up these women, you're going to see the last name Gonzalez rather than Venezuela. Isidro actually forgot about his daughter Carmen. Um, until a man who fell in love with her ended up getting her out of jail. So she Wait, spent... how do you forget about her? Well, like, that's the point. Like, he was on the run, so he and the family, like... Well, it said that he ran away on his own first, and then the fa- family followed him. 
Um, but she spent 14 months in like in their jail, in their town jail, um, oh because the dad forgot about her. After a year of hiding, um, the family relocated to San Francisco del Rincón. Um, Carmen met up with them um, after being released from jail. She was actually pregnant by the man who paid for her to be released and begged her parents to forgive her for all her actions, hence her staying with her parents. Delfina also had a similar situation. She fell in love with an older man, and when their dad found out, um, he hit her with a heavy wood um, on her head, and it almost paralyzed her. Jesus! Yeah. The sisters kind of grew up with the intentions of not wanting to be poor like they were when they were kids. Um, They tried all types of jobs, like making clothing, sewing, and running stores. At one point, it said that Carmen either worked or um, got with a man who owned a bar. Um, There, she began to learn how it was ran and the ins and outs of running a business. Potentially, some of the sisters were getting into sex work themselves as they began to open their own bars and also had a room for sexual activities. Um, So this is kind of like the start of their stories. Um, Sooner or later, Carmen, Delfina, and Maria de Jesus began to open brothels and Guadalajara and Jalisco. Um, They also opened some in Guanajuato, Mexico as well. They would do sexual favors and have some of their workers do sexual favors for politicians, police, and doctors for their advantages. Through these advantages, they would get their brothels approved and legal issues would just be ignored. First, it seemed that the sisters would get girls who voluntarily worked as sex workers, but later, per the request of their clients, they started to look for virgin workers. <laughs> Some articles and recorded data said that the sister, the three sisters would travel to rural areas in Jalisco, Michoacán, and Guanajuato and would convince young girls of false promised jobs in the big cities. They would explain to these girls that they needed maids and waitresses and they would have room and board given to them. The sisters saw that what would convince most of the time these little girls was that they would tell them these false dreams of living in big cities. Um, therefore, they used that a lot. But in reality, they were planning on forcing them to work as sex workers once they returned to their brothels. Uh, so there's no recorded data on ages specifically, but some articles stated that the sisters would find ways to please their clients regardless of their demands. Therefore, the girls, there could be potential boys, um, but there's not enough information to make, you know, to know for sure. So, therefore, um, it's unclear, uh, but the ages start could have started at the age of 12 and up. Um, In desperate times, Delfina's lover and army captain, whose name is so fucking hard to pronounce, but I'm going to try, is Jeremigildo. I don't know. It's a fucking hard name. Um, Wait, can I put a disclaimer really quick? Oh, yeah. 
Um, her uncle is working on the fence, so if you hear banging, it's right behind me. So I'm sorry, it's just a disclaimer for right now. I'm trying to mute myself so you don't hear <laughs> you don't hear it in the background. So if you don't hear me speak, it's because I'm muting myself because of the, the fence. Oh girl, I feel it. It's cool. All right. Let's get back okay. into it. Sorry. So her lover, Army Captain, first name can't pronounce, last name is Zuniga, okay? Um, he would randomly kidnap girls. So the brothels were horrible when it came to their workers. Um, they would charge the girls for everything like food, clothing, accessories, and sanitary items. Um, when it ca- came to the sex workers in the aftermath, the sisters were worse. The sisters would hold virgins for top-notch money and mm-hmm. would... Yeah, and allowed others to be raped for money um, as well. At one point, the sisters no longer cared who they killed or why. If the workers got sick, they would kill them. If the workers were no longer seen as gems, they would kill them. The sisters would get creative with their killings. Sometimes they would um, have other sex workers beat the girls who they wanted to kill to death, or they would starve them. Or burn them and then bury them on the brothel's premise. Um, their story is saying that they never would shoot them because it would make loud noises. So they would use like these activities of death as a way of like being quiet about it. That was like the main thing. If the sex workers got pregnant, they would perform abortions on them and again bury the fetuses on the premises if they didn't get an abortion sometimes the sisters it's unclear there's like superstition saying that the sisters would allow um some of the workers to fully give child like yeah like carry the baby and, and give childbirth um and then once the baby was born they would kill them they that's for sure and there's superstition saying that they would use the baby's blood to sacrifice and you know do all these things towards the devil um but there's no actual recorded information on that what they mm-hmm. do know is that there was there was baby bodies found on the premises so they know that for sure there was times the sisters would send their clients to be killed as well. If the clients were richer than their usual clients or out of town, um, they would kill them to keep all of their money and anything that they've brought with them. So like their cars, jewelry, nice clothing, etc. Um, and then they too would be buried on the premise. They had areas in like the kitchen or in the backyard, uh, of like holes where they would throw bodies down there, and then. Would it be a snow? Well, that's what I was thinking too, and you, this was from 1945 up until nine, 19, or six, 1964. So it was quite a bit of time. I I think maybe what they would do is they would make these holes, throw the bodies, and then bury them, and like uh, maybe mm-hmm. that would hold the smell. I don't. I don't know. You know. The workers would also get tortured if they didn't provide proper customer service. Like even if they didn't smile at their customer the certain like a certain way, they would get beaten. And if they didn't get if they didn't die, they would 
torturing them in the sense of like putting them on their hands and knees and then put like heavy things on their hands and if they dropped them they would beat them again um up until like to the point where they could potentially kill them from it so at this point it was just like the sisters were tormenting people or torturing their their workers for fun you know um one of their last locations they had was a location previously known as el pocanchi um, it was a social gathering place known um, as a safe location for gay couples, gay members, um, as its owner was gay. And that's kind of like what the bar was known for. Um, and no matter what, no matter who bought that bar, the name El Pocanchis always stayed with it. So even if they tried to change the name, the locals would still call it El Pocanchis, which is why the sisters got the name Las Bocanjis, because that was their last brothel. The sisters own many locations like Rancho del Angel, Guadalajara de Noche, and El Bocanjis, of course. Their other sister, which is the fourth sister, Maria Luisa, ran some brothels near the border. But from my understanding, she wasn't really involved with her other three sisters' brothels, hence why you won't really hear about her, you know? <laughs> Relatos del Lado Oscuro um, was a radio station and um, now has a YouTube channel that explains a lot of, like, horror, mystery, and inexplainable um, events. Um, he did an episode on Las Pocanchis and goes into significant detail. So if, like, you want to find more out, I definitely would recommend that video. It's, like, an hour long. Um, but he went into depth about their case, right? And in the time that he was explaining all of the information, um, he said that at this time they had a second Guadalajara de Noches. There was a new captain of the police who was extremely concerned with the large amount of people, especially young girls, missing in Jalisco. So at this point, Las Pocanchis and him did not have any like corruption kind of relationship. Um, so he was really like concerned with all the missing people. He ended up opening many cases back up. One of the enslaved sex workers was able to escape one day and go straight to this new captain. That caused a large investigation on Las Bocanchis and their brothels. Um, So one of the corrupt sergeants found out that the investigation was starting and warned Delfina with a telegram, um, which there's like an actual photo of it. And that's that actually was used in evidence later on. Las Bocanchis gathered all of their sex workers and hid at Rancho del Angel. While they were in hiding, the police investigated all of their other brothels and found the bodies, um, skeletal remains, and remains of babies, as well as like any kind of like, because sometimes the sisters would burn bodies. So they found like a lot of like those ashes or like, um, you know, teeth or things like that that weren't able to burn fully. They had investigated several of their properties where they found more and more criminating and, and evidence like cars, bodies, and other of other victims. Um, it's interesting, too, because the way that this kind of is presented is that the sisters had their brothels, but, like, their kids also owned, like, car shops or, like, they would sell the cars. And really what they were doing was they were stealing cars from, like, the U.S., as well as 
these cars that um, were left behind by the victims of Las Pocanchis, and they were reselling them. So they were seeing like it was just like a, it was just like a connecting dot, you know. So um, finally, the cops were able to find the sisters and arrest them at their rancho. All of the other sex workers were found in horrible conditions. They were piled in rooms. Um, and some of them were very ill due to the malnutrition. The sisters were charged with several crimes alongside all of those who helped. They were forced to show where the bodies were um, and help undig them as well. <laughs> so they were like, they put them to work. So Carmen actually had died like a long time previously to this. Um, so Delfina Maria de Jesus were the only two captured and given listen to this, given 40 years in prison. Delfina died during her time in prison while Maria de Jesus was released after serving her time. They don't know what happened to her when she was freed, so she's been freed and nobody knows where she at or if she's still alive at this point. And their death toll was anywhere from 91 persons up to 150. And that's the tale, or the story, of Las Bocanchis. Jesus. That's a big-ass number. So, um, the YouTube channel that I was talking about, he kind of, like, he's really good. Like, I just feel like uh, a lot of this information was, like, kind of, like, people had one sense of story, some people had another sense of stories, but he was really good about it. And he actually, like, talked about, like, how the sisters were more spiritual as well so they literally thought they never did anything wrong in like the eyes of god um and when carmen died they would be like oh bless her soul in heaven you know Mm -hmm. um and carmen and delfina were actually the original starters of the brothels so um yeah it's definitely know what this was it carmen or delfina died in prison, right? Delfina died in prison. They said it was in an accident. They didn't specify what kind of accident. Um, but Delfina died. Carmen died. Maria Luisa, they, like, there's not enough information on her, like, what happened to her. They know she was running brothels towards the border of the U.S., but um, from my, I think from my understanding that they weren't as like hard conditions and they weren't, she wasn't like stealing little girls or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so she basically did not have to do any time, but Maria de Jesus, um, was the one who was released and nobody knows where she's at right now. So those are the stories of Las Pocanchis who, you know, were sisters. It's interesting, like... Yeah. Because they, like, these bitches don't have no remorse. Like, your bitch, my bitches, they don't have no remorse. Because they're psychotic. Yeah. Wait, what's the, what's, like, um... It's not narcissist. Is it a sociopath where they have no remorse? Um, so... The DSM-5 is now considering it antisocial personality disorder. So there's no, like, social, like, psychopath, sociopath, like, specifically, you know? 
It's more like mm-hmm. anti-personality, anti-personality disorders where they kind of lack empathy, um, which is kind of like what we see. So, like, Ted Bundy would be considered, you know, a psychopath, but he would be diagnosed with antisocial personality. Well, crazy pants. I know. Anyway, so we hope you guys enjoyed our video, uh, our video, our, our podcast. <laughs> we should um, record ourselves on Zoom. <laughs> I know, huh? If you guys have heard our previous episodes, there's times where Jenny just cuts out. Um, this time it hasn't happened because we've been on Zoom. So hopefully like that will continue to happen. Um, but if we're on Zoom, we can literally record ourselves right now. <laughs> we really can. Yeah. But yeah, um, we for sure will be posting, so um, look for us. And we're going to be doing it bi-weekly just to give us a little bit of time and, uh, you know, a breather with everything else we have going on in our lives. Um, but we will be talking about serious things. This is the next day after those fucking crazy-ass people protested and marched all the way into the Capitol building and... We can talk about it because we can unpack how if they were, you know, any other group or race, it'd be a different story. But not this time because it's horror hour. So we're going to focus on horror <laughs> hour. But yeah, that'll uh, be in the next regular podcast. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we hope you guys um, stay safe. We hope you guys listen to this episode and we will try to be better. 2021, we promise. And we'll see you soon. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.